You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1069 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. Coming to you on a Sunday evening into Monday, and today's podcast is brought to you by the good folks at rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Today's podcast will be a mailbag edition with myself uh, coming in solo on this fine evening. We'll have plenty of guest work in the next couple of weeks as the season is approaching. For the record, we are now under one month away from the Hawks reporting to training camp at the end of September, so we're getting very close um, even if it seems like it's the dead zone, because it is the dead zone, we're still less than a month away from new content, preseason stuff, ramping up, etc. So thank you as always for listening to the podcast. Please subscribe and tell your friends. We'll dive in now to the news and then some mailback stuff at the end of the podcast. Um, the biggest news since our last recording was Skylar Mays returning to the Hawks. This is not quite emergency podcast worthy on Thursday evening, but Mays ag- agreed to and then it was announced as a two-way contract with the Hawks. You may remember this, but I'll just, I'll just sort of set the stage anyway. Um, the Hawks were able to retain him as a restricted free agent by simply offering him a qualifying offer. And that, because he was on a two-way last year, was only another two-way contract. So Mays was a free agent that could have signed anywhere he wanted to. But um, the Hawks, he also had the option to just sign the two-way qualifying offer. So he did that, and that's why he's back now with the Hawks for at least one more season. Um, I discussed him a lot with PD Webb last week on a two-part episode of the podcast. That is still very relevant information at this point in time. PD, PD and I talked about uh, Mays and Jalen Johnson, Sharif Cooper, Summer League stuff overall that's still in the feed right now. But also, um, dating back to the last season, there's plenty to talk about with Skylar Mays. He was the number 50 overall pick in last year's draft, the 2020 draft, out of LSU. I liked that pick a lot at the time. He was a guy that I had rated a little bit higher than that. Um, he averaged about four points per game and 8.2 minutes per game last year as a rookie for the Hawks on a two-way contract. Shot the ball reasonably well in 33 appearances. He scored double figures five times for Atlanta last year. Actually ended up being a rotation guy a couple different times because of all the injuries, which is not usually what you would think for a playoff-bound team and a rookie two-way, but they had to, kind of had to have him a few different times as a backup point guard, backup shooting guard, etc. He had 16 points and 7 assists in the, in the finale of the regular season last year when they were kind of resting everybody and playing their young guys and their uh, more peripheral guys down the stretch. He appeared in 7 playoff games as well. Uh, definitely in a small role, but was definitely out there a few different times, so I've always liked Skylar Mays. My general thought process, and I said this a little bit with PD last week as well, is that Mays is probably overqualified for a two-way contract. Um, this is sort of through that lens. It's a great value for the Hawks. Uh, if you're just thinking about the team, uh, Mays is a great guy to have on a two-way contract. He is very good through that lens. I think he is capable of being a rotation player if you have to have him. He is good, uh, you know, through the G, through, sort of through the G League, and also the ability to plug holes. He's versatile. He's a very smart player on and off the floor. A mature guy can be a leader in College Park. Can be a strong locker room presence in Atlanta. All that fun stuff. On his side, this is not ideal for Mays. I think he'll make some decent money, of course, on a two-way contract, you know, about half of the NBA salary. But I think he should be personally on a full deal somewhere, if it's the minimum. Um, not the greatest result for him. And honestly, there's not a whole lot of playing time available, if any, for him. The Hawks are so loaded with depth now. In particular, beyond the starters, they have DeLon Wright and Lou Williams. Um, of course, Kevin Herter. 
even Sharif Cooper is now probably ahead of him in sort of the future-facing pecking order. I think Mays is probably better suited to play right now than Sharif is, but there isn't a whole lot of role for him in Atlanta, but you know he'll have some time to play in College Park. He'll be around, and I think he, can, he is capable of playing some minutes for the Hawks next season if necessary. Um, on the money-slash-contractual front, if he remains on the two-way all year for Atlanta, the Hawks could once again do the same thing with Mays, making him a RFA free agent while just offering another two-way contract. Um, that would be the last time they could do that, though. Players can only play um, up to three seasons with the same team on a two-way contract. They can actually do it four times overall in the NBA, but the same team only three times could a player be on a two-way the whole year. Obviously, he could be promoted in season. He could be you know, traded. It could be all, all kinds of different things. But if this whole thing happens again and he hits the market next summer, the Hawks can offer him a qualifying offer, and he could sign it again, but that would be the last time they could actually offer him the two-way qualifying offer as they did this year. But anyway, on the Hawks' side, a good result, and now both two-way spots are filled. We'll get into some roster stuff later on in the podcast, but uh, having Cooper and Mays on two-ways is very, very good business. For Atlanta, you had this fantastic prospect in Cooper and a guy who I think is – at minimum, one of the best players on a two-way contract right now in the league in Skylar Mays. You can make some arguments for other guys. I think he's definitely in my top two or three in terms of ready-made guys to play right away. So a nice um, piece of business for the Hawks, and we'll see what happens with Mays throughout the season. A couple of power rankings to get into quickly here. Um, I will emphasize quickly again. Um, ESPN released their offseason top 30, I guess, I guess, power rankings. The Hawks are number nine overall, number five in the East. Um, this is not scientific for me, but I think it's pretty much what the consensus is, or at least the average of all these rankings are, is the Hawks somewhere in that 8-10 to 10 range in the league and also in the 4-5 range in the East. Um, on that list for ESPN, the Hawks are trailing Brooklyn, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, and Miami in that order. A, a more optimistic list came from John Schumann of NBA.com. I think John is maybe the best guy in the entire business uh, at writing some of this kind of stuff. He's an awesome follow and a great writer at NBA.com. I would definitely recommend following John's work. Um, he actually has the Hawks number three in the Eastern Conference. He did not he did not split those two together. Uh, I guess it was more just you know, conference by conference. But he has them behind Brooklyn and Milwaukee, but that's it. Actually ahead of Philadelphia, ahead of Miami, ahead of Boston, etc. And for me, this is reasonable. Uh, I think that it would be hard to rank the Hawks ahead of Brooklyn or Milwaukee at this point in time. Brooklyn being loaded and the favorites on paper, Milwaukee being the reigning NBA NBA champions. I know Hawks fans might want to see them ahead of Milwaukee in particular, but given what happened last year and them winning the title, I think you can't really put the Hawks ahead of them in a preseason look ahead, realistically, nationally. So I get that. But I think I'm totally fine with them being ahead of Philadelphia. I'm not sure where I would land on that necessarily, but with all the turmoil with Ben Simmons and maybe a trade stuff and all that stuff, I have no issue with that at all. And then I have been on the record multiple times saying that I think the Hawks are better than the Heat and the Celtics. So I'd have I'd have the Hawks at least fourth. Um, I'm okay with them being third for Schumann. So that's where they are right now. And a little bit of positive love if you're a Hawks fan looking for some national recognition. John is a responsible, nonpartisan person, and uh, he has the Hawks number three in the Eastern Conference. Um, last thing, I mentioned last week that Gorgie Jang's playing for Senegal right now, uh, giving, giving the Hawks fans some 
chances to watch some live basketball action if they want to. They're still playing right now, actually. Uh, Jang had 17-10 and 10 in their last game. Senegal is actually 3-0 and 0 in group play in the FIBA African Championships. They'll be in the quarterfinals later on this week. I know Kevin Schnarr of Hawks.com was tweeting about this a little bit. So if you're looking for some live basketball, Gorgie Jang, a current member of the Hawks, is still playing late into August, into September now. And if you want to find that, you can go ahead and do that. I'm sure there's some, some online streams and stuff that you can find the uh, live basketball. Okay. With that out of the way, we'll get into some mailbag stuff at the end of the podcast. But first, a word from our sponsors on today's show, and the first of which is Sweatblock. There are a few things in life that just are not any fun to talk about, and one of them is excessive sweating. It's not fun for anyone to sweat through their shirt for no reason. I'm sure we've all dealt with this at some point in time, and while there are definitely bigger problems in the world, it can certainly feel like a big deal when it happens in the moment. And that's why you should check out Sweatblock and Iperspirant Wipes. Sweatblock is stronger and more effective than most clinical antiperspirants. You can simply apply it at night before you go to bed, and then after you go to bed, the next morning you can wake up, wash, and go about your day without worrying at all about sweat. Guaranteed. Sweatblock is doctor-created and doctor-recommended. It works for up to seven days per use. There is also, by the way, a dry shirt guarantee, and if Sweatblock doesn't keep you dry, you get your money back. It's manufactured in the USA. Sweatblock has a bestseller on Amazon and other places for the past decade. I know it might sound too good to be true, but it absolutely works. You can wear what you want to wear with confidence, and it really is an absolute must-have. If you or someone you know and love is dealing with this, you have to check out Sweatblock right now. Get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com with the promo code LOCKEDON, or check it out at a CVS near you right now. One more time, that is promo code LOCKEDON at sweatblock.com for 20% off. Promo code LOCKEDON at sweatblock.com. Today's podcast is also brought to you by Indeed. In the sports world, GMs and coaches ask questions to find the right players, and when you're hiring, you can use Indeed assessments to help you make sure that you can find quality candidates with the skills that you need. When hiring gets hard, you need Indeed, the job site that makes hiring incredibly simple. Just attract, interview, and hire. In fact, with Indeed, you can do all of your hiring in one place, even with the interviewing. Don't simply hope that your perfect candidate will find you. Indeed's hiring tools will help you cut through the noise to hire faster and smarter. In fact, Indeed's Instant Match provides a list of quality candidates whose resumes are on Indeed the moment that you post a sponsored job. And with Indeed assessments, you can choose up to 135 skills tests to help you find the people that are applying to your jobs with the skills that you need. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than any other job site combined. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And you can get started right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post Indeed.com slash locked. Get a $75 credit right now at Indeed.com slash locked. Indeed.com slash locked. Offer valid through September 30th. Terms and conditions apply. All right, and we'll dive in now to some mailbag questions. Might only get to a couple on this podcast with some longer answers, but there is still time. If you have questions, fire them at me at BT Rowan on Twitter. I'll answer as many as I possibly can on the show and or on Twitter. But the first question comes from Harris on Twitter, who asks... Did you talk about Seth Partnow's tears at the Athletic? And if you didn't, what do you think about where the Hawks guys ended up? So, uh, Seth's been on this podcast before. I think Seth's very smart. He's a friend of mine. Uh, all that out of the way now. Uh, but he released his annual player tier list. It's not a 1 through 100 ranking of the players in order, but there are tiers and tier sort of tier breaks. You know, 1A, 1B, 2A, 2B, etc., and the Hawks guys are listed. There are several of them listed. I'm actually going to go in reverse order here, but keep that in mind. It's definitely more, more of a fluid list than some are. His endeavor, basically, is to go through and tear guys up, at least in their closest. They're not always similar players, but sort of similar impact. Seth's an analytics guy, former uh, Bucks analytics head for the Milwaukee Bucks, so keep that all in mind as well. But there were some controversies. I actually thought that 
there was not a whole lot that I saw Hawks fans getting mad about with with the Hawks. I'm sure there were some, but most of the uh, flack that he received, at least that I saw publicly, was about like the Knicks guys, like R.J. Barrett was not on the list, for instance, etc. But we'll get into the Hawks guys now quickly. Um, at the bottom for Atlanta, just for the record, the Hawks had uh, seven guys listed in the top 125, basically what what this amounts to be. Two guys were in the bottom tier that made the cut. Um, They were Gallinari and Kevin Herter. They were both in tier 5A. That puts guys between like 80 and 125, basically, somewhere in that range. I think Herter could be a tier or two higher if he continues his playoff showing. He was very good in the playoffs. Obviously not the biggest um, record before that, but I think uh, it's sort of hard to rank him right now, but I think this is probably an appropriate spot for Kevin at this point in time. I think Gallo is tough to value. He was good in the second half last year. I think this is a reasonable spot for him, even if he has a, pr- a pretty small role. I've thought that Gallo was like a top 70 guy in the league for a while. Um, you know, At this point, he's definitely past his prime. He's in this smaller role, so I think knocking him down a peg to this range makes some sense. There was some downside potential with Gallinari at his age and his injury stuff and all that, but when he's good, he's good, for sure, offensively. Defensively, it's tough at times, but I think this is a pretty decent spot because I think his offense is probably still underrated. The fact that he can generate his own looks, be efficient, get to the line at his size, shoot over basically anybody, etc. I think he's a good player. Um, it's clearly going to be in a smaller role than he was probably at even in last year for the Hawks, given all their talent and all their depth, but a valuable piece um, making a bunch of money for sure, but still a guy who can definitely return some value for the Hawks. Then from there, the Hawks had three guys in Tier 4B. Basically, um, this tier covers number 57 through 79, so essentially top 80 players, but not top 60 players on this list. You have Bogdanovich, you have Hunter, and you have Collins. Um, Bogdanovich and Hunter were both, sorry, Bogdanovich and Collins were in the same tier last year. Hunter was not rated at all, so a big jump for DeAndre. I think Collins is a tier too low here. I think he should be at least in tier 4A. I think I have him as a top 50-ish guy in the league for me. So that would be the next tier up. I don't think that's ridiculous to have him in this tier, but I think he's underrated at this point in time most by most people nationally. I think Bogdanovich and Hunter are both probably in the right tier. I think both... I think all five of the guys that are listed, that will, uh, you know, these three and then the two more are definitely top 80 players. This is all um, pretty reasonable for me. Obviously, Hunter has some flexibility because it's such a small sample size, but he was so good last year early in the year, plus the pedigree and all that stuff. I think he's in the right spot at this point in time. I mentioned before I think um, Colin should be a level up. I think he should be in the same tier as Clint Capella, and Capella was number 4A. Um, that is players number 37 through 56. Um, Capella was awesome last year, so I think he's in the right spot. I think Collins should just also be there with him. Um, I've, you know, As I said a number of times last year and then already in the offseason, I thought Capella was probably the second most impactful defensive player in the entire league last year behind Rudy Gobert. At a bare minimum, a top three or four guy for me defensively in the entire league. Won the rebounding title. Offensively, he's not a huge, huge plus, but a good, a good dive man. Offensive rebounding is definitely a menace around the offensive glass. So this is appropriate. I think people probably thought this might have been too high nationally. Uh, people probably turned their heads at Capella being this high, but I think he was really, really underrated and awesome last year for the Hawks. And I said it the entire season, but I think he was their number two most indispensable piece behind Trey Young. He made their defense pretty good last year, not by himself, but he was a huge, huge part of their revolution defensively to being you know back to like league average for most of the season. When he, when he was playing, they were a top 10 defense for the most part last year. So that's a pretty strong impact, and I think he is very, very good. And then lastly, you have Trey Young, of course. Uh, Trey is in Tier 3A. 
He was in Tier 3B last year. And by the way, Capella went from 5A to 4A, so he also rose. But Trey goes up a, t- up a tier level. And this new tier that Trey is in at Tier 3A basically equates to being the 20th best player in the league or so. A tie alongside Devin Booker, Drew Holiday, and Zion Williamson. That, that's a four-player tier for Trey Young in 3A. Um, just for s- more context, he is ahead of a bunch of guys who are good. Uh, Bradley Beal, he's ahead of Donovan Mitchell. He's ahead of jo- John Morant and Jamal Murray and Carl Anthony Towns, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, uh, Ben Simmons. All those guys are in Tier 3B where Trey was last year, so they're all behind him. Um, the only guy that I have a huge problem with being ahead of Trey is Kyrie Irving. I think Trey is better than Kyrie Irving. Um, at, a, at a bare minimum, he is as good as Kyrie Irving. I mean, I think I'm famously low on Kyrie, but I think Trey's impact uh, on winning especially is bigger than Kyrie's. Uh, again, I'm probably low, maybe even too low on Kyrie, but I think that that's my one big nitpick on being a tier down. Um, you can certainly pick on other guys as well, like Bam Adebayo, Chris Middleton, Rudy Gobert being the tier above him. I think Trey is at least should be in those tiers. I'm, I, I, I'd be open to listening to arguments for or against those guys versus Trey, but I think at a minimum he should be in the same tier as a bunch of guys who are in the tier above him. So I get some pushback here from Hawks fans. I also would point out that being a top 20 guy in the league and being on par with guys like Booker and Holiday is not like a huge shot at Trey. I think he probably should be a, a tad bit higher, probably in the next tier up, but nothing uh, egregious. I, I did think I, I saw a little bit of pushback there, and I, I definitely understand that. You know, he was awesome in the playoffs. Trey's a superstar. No questions about it, about that for me. But I'm okay with this ranking for the most part. I think he's a little bit low, but nothing too crazy. And uh, hopefully that answers the question from Harris. Uh, obviously, I can go line by line. I do think that... Um, you know, there's some room, particularly for guys like um, Hunter and Herter to jump up potentially next year, whereas other guys might be able to stay put. I think Trey could also get into Tier 2, maybe even Tier 1 at some point, and uh, there you go on that. All right, before we get to the last question or two on the podcast today, a word from our sponsors, and the first of which is rockauto.com. Have you ever gone to a chain store looking for auto parts that fit your car? Is it maddening? Because it is for me. I know it has been in the past and it will be if I ever try that again. But frankly, I don't ever need to do that again because of rockauto.com. Rock Auto has been serving auto parts customers for 20 years at this point in time. And you could save time and money when you use Rock Auto. They have all kinds of auto parts that will fit your lifestyle, fit your preferences and The best part is you don't have to endure the pointless questioning from someone behind the counter who's only looking to sell you the one part or one kind of part that they have in their warehouse. RockAuto.com has everything you could possibly need from brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. And honestly, the prices are always reliably low for every customer and they really serve the do-it-yourselfer very, very effectively. You can go explore their website right now. It's very easy to use. You can find a solution to your auto parts needs in one place. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or your truck. And from there, you want to write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you to them. Amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Okay, and we'll go to a question from Tyson now, who asks, do you have a working Hawks depth chart for next season? I've seen a few that conflict with each other, including ESPN having Jordan Bell on their list during Summer League. So I had a joke about this last week on the podcast. Uh, The Jordan Bell thing was funny. I was in Vegas for the first four games, so I kind of just missed that. But I did see that during the final game and was alerted to this, the ESPN had been using a depth chart with Jordan Bell on it the entire time. I would uh, presume that's because he was a, is a pretty well-known player and the Hawks didn't have their full roster, but there's no indication that I have right now that he'll be on the roster, so keep that in mind. Just a bit strange. I would not have him on my, on my, on my depth chart right now, being that he's not under contract, etc. Um, depth charts are definitely weird. 
and there's always some positional uncertainty with them because most players, at least uh, I would say on the Hawks roster, the majority of guys will play multiple positions. Like I can count on a couple, on probably on a couple fingers, the guys who won't play more than one spot. Like for instance, I think Trey Young, uh, Clint Capella, and Akangwu are probably the only guys on the whole team that can't play more than one spot, or at least won't play more than one, more than one spot. So keep that in mind. But I'll lay it out right now, just sort of quickly, how I would do it, and we'll dive in a little bit from there. We'll start at point guard. Uh, I would say Trey Young, of course, starting. I would go DeLon Wright, number two, Lou Williams, number three, and then Shreve Cooper, of course, is the two-way. And even then, Skylar Mays could be on there as well. They could have five guys on this list with both two-way spots. I'm not going to go crazy about having Wright ahead of Lou, nor do I think it matters a whole lot. These guys are very, very different players. Um, Wright, more of a steady hand, plays a little defense. He's bigger. Um, probably a little better, better credit for those at some times. Lou is obviously a scorer, uh, an older vet, you know, steady hand as well in some ways off the court, but I, uh, sort of a high volatility player off, on the court. When he has it, he's great. When he doesn't have it, not so much. So we'll see what happens uh, with regard to how, sort of usage. I think it is also worth noting that Wright can play a little bit of two. Lou has played two at times in his career, although he's pretty small to be doing that. They can play together a little bit as well in the, on second units. When you have Kevin Herter and others that can handle the ball, there's some flexibility there as well. So I would just say I would I would probably guess that DeLon Wright plays more than Lou Williams does this year on the whole, but I, that could certainly be wrong, and we'll and we'll sort of see from there. And then you have Cooper and Mays behind that. I think you'll see a ton of those guys in College Park. It'll be a lot of interesting stuff to see along the way. Um, personally, I would kind of put the wings together in one, and that's kind of how I view things overall. So. I will break it out in a second to shooting guard and small forward, but uh, I will just put all of these guys together um, in one sort of tier-ish. I go Bogdanovich, Hunter, Herter, and Reddish as the guys who I project to actually play. And then you have um, Jalen Johnson uh, and Solomon Hill in terms of guys who could play. Um, they're very different players, but guys, guys who could be playing, even though they're kind of combo forwards, I would have them on the wing line for now. And then you have Skylar Mays as well, who's, um, you know, him and, him and DeLon Wright are both, like, capable of playing the wing a little bit, at least at the two and I'm not sure where you plug them in, but they're at least um, worth remembering. At shooting guard, uh, depth chart-wise, I would go Bogdanovich first, and then Herter behind him, and then you talk about like guys who can play both positions. Like DeLon Wright is probably the third-string two-guard for me, even though he's the backup point guard. Skylar May is the same thing um, as a two-way guy. Uh, if you made me choose one spot for Wright, I would have him at point guard, but I think he can play and can and will probably play some two at some point in time. Also, you could have Lou play a little bit of two. You could have Cam Reddish play a little bit of the two, probably, in certain alignments if you wanted to, etc. Um, they did try Trey and Lou in the playoffs together, I think out of necessity, but that's something they would maybe try again. I'm not sure if Nate wants to do that, but uh, they, did, they did do it in the playoffs. And then at small forward, you have Hunter as number one guy. Then you have Reddish, number two. I think it was sort of, uh, it's implied by the multiple position things, but obviously I think you definitely will see guys like Herter and Bogdanovich and Jalen Johnson play at the three at some point this year. Even Solomon Hill might play some three this year. I think those guys, um, in particular Hill, I think is more of a four at this point, but we saw him play a lot of three last year out of necessity. I think Johnson can play there as, as well, so I, if you made me just sort of list it um, and not have the uh, shooting guards on the list, I would just go Hunter, then Reddish, then Johnson, then Hill. Um, power forward, you have Collins, of course, then you have Gallinari. That's a very, very easy one. From there, you get into Johnson and Hill again as backup, as backup power forwards. I will say this, I can already hear Hawks fans yelling about this, but it would not surprise me at some point if Solomon Hill plays ahead of Jalen Johnson, and Hawks fans would be so mad. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I, mentioned that, I mentioned that to uh, Tower Jones, friend of the podcast earlier. I'm sure he will uh, lose his mind if that happens. 
but uh, that might happen at some point. Um, at any rate, Collins and Gallinari, easy one-two at power forward. Then at center, uh, last one here, obviously. It's pretty easy, pretty straight ahead. It's Capella, it's a Kongwu, and then it's Jang as soon as, as, soon as a Kongwu is back. Now, Jang is a totally solid backup center, um, but when a Kongwu is back, he probably shouldn't play much. I'm talking about Jang at this point in time. you got to give a Kongwu reps and minutes, and I think he earned them in the playoffs, etc., and then you go into backup scenarios and small ball scenarios. I think John Collins can and will play some center this year, as he always does. Even Gallinari has played a little bit of center last year. I'm not sure we'll see that as much, um, given the Okongwu uh, emergence, but early in the year, maybe maybe, maybe not, and we'll see. And Jeng's pretty good, and Collins can play some center. I know Tower Jones has been talking about this a lot, but you could even see some lineups where you just kind of just don't, don't even play Gorgie Jang early in the year, and you go to Collins at center or Gallo at center or even Jalen Johnson at center. If you want to get super weird and small and fun, um, there's definitely some flexibility. That's the biggest thing for me is that depth charts are useful for sure to tell you what guys are uh, sort of available to you. But I think the Hawks in particular have a lot of flexibility. Um, there are so many guys on this roster that can play multiple positions. You could have uh, lineups that have DeAndre Hunter at the four. And conceivably, you could have DeAndre Hunter play the, play the two if you wanted to. Um, I'm not sure they're going to do that, but he definitely could do it. You could play Jalen Johnson at center. You could play John Collins at center. You could play Gallo at the three, as they did in the playoffs a little bit. So the, basically, again, everyone except for Trey, and even Trey, you know, can play the two. It's just that he's more comfortable off the ball, on the ball, I should say. But aside from, like, Capella, there's not a whole lot of guys who are just, like, pigeonholed into one thing. I don't think you're going to see a lot of Capella and Okongwu playing together or Capella and Jang. But even then, Jen can shoot a little bit if you wanted to go sort of jumbo package um, in, a, in a weird spot in a big matchup or whatever. So there's a lot of flexibility. McMillan has a lot of decisions to make. Um, this is one of the perks of having a veteran head coach who's been around for a long time. But the Hawks don't have they – have, they definitely have a clear, you know, 9 or 10, 11, like, man, got, you know, rotation of guys who are quality. But there are some decisions to make, like how much do you play Jalen Johnson? How, how much do you not play one of DeLon Wright or Lou Williams? How much do you play Cam Reddish if he doesn't have it going? Obviously, he's, I think, number four in the, in the pecking order on the wing. Um, how much center time does John Collins get? Um, how do you handle Gallinari as, in terms of his like back-to-backs and being an older vet? Same with Lou Williams. Do you just give him some days off? Um, lots of decisions to be made. Obviously, we'll get into all those as we get closer to the season. But um, long story short, this is a deep, talented, versatile roster. That, that lends to a lot of interesting discussions because I'm sort of a basketball nerd and I like getting into that stuff and, you know, how does, uh, you know, Collins play with Jang and how does Gallinari play with so-and-so and et cetera. So we'll have all that kind of talk as we get closer to the season, but that hopefully answers the question about the depth chart. And uh, just as a quick reminder to end the podcast, uh, point guard, Young, Wright, Williams, and then uh, Shreve Cooper on the two-way contract at the two, uh, Bogdanovich, Herter, and then I guess I would have to go with Skylar Mays, um, although other guys could play there. And then at the three, you have Hunter and Reddish, in addition to the uh, Johnson-Hill collab. And then at the four, you have the you have Collins, Gallinari, and then the Johnson-Hill collab again. And then at center, you have Capella, Akangwu, and Jang. And then we'll go from there. Okay, hopefully this was a question. And the Hawks, by the way, have a roster spot available still. That is sort of looming out there in late August. The Hawks are still having some flexibility. with They have both two-way spots secured but only 14 guys out of 15 on their roster so there could be some turmoil they could sign somebody they could trade for somebody they could do anything they want to do in the coming days but keep that in mind they do have a little bit of flexibility on the roster okay 
That will do it for today's podcast. I know I'll answer two questions, but it's kind of two deeper answers plus some news at the top of the podcast, and that will do it for today. So, again, one more time, if you have any more questions, shoot them to me at BT Rolling on Twitter. I'll try to answer as many as I can, either on Twitter or on the podcast. Please subscribe to the show on Apple or Spotify or Stitcher or TuneIn Radio or Odyssey or Facebook podcast, Google podcast, all that stuff, all that stuff. If you have a, a podcast player of choice and we're not on it, please let me know that I will get it fixed. And thank you as always for listening to the podcast, everybody. We'll see you later on in the week.